Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Peg City Chat with Nat. With school back in full swing, children and parents are both trying to adjust to new activities. And for children with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, otherwise known as ADHD, the condition can add complexity to an already challenging situation. So joining me to talk more about how parents of children with ADHD can monitor their child's progress during the school year is leading ADHD expert, Dr. Adelaide Robb. Dr. Robb is also Chief of the Psychology and Behavioral Health Department for the Children's National Health System in Washington, D.C. Well, hello, Dr. Robb. How are you today? I'm doing great, Natalie. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much for having a quick chat with me about this very important topic. So before we even, uh, you know, get into how we can and help, chil- help children and parents within the school year, what is ADHD and how is it caused? Well, ADHD is actually a brain-based disorder and about 6 million children in the United States have it. They really have three different sets of symptoms. Those are inattention, so not focusing or listening when a teacher's talking to you or a parent. Difficulties with impulsivity, that's the kid that's shouting out answers in the classroom without raising their hand or waiting to be called on by the teacher. And struggles with hyperactivity. In that 90-minute middle school math class, they can't sit still for 90 minutes. They're getting out of their chair to grab a drink, to sharpen a pencil, and they can't sit still for long periods of time. It's great to be here on behalf of Pfizer to talk to you about ADHD today because it is National ADHD Awareness Month. Right. Now, when you talk about those three types of symptoms, so those are also the types of ADHD, right? Well, with DSM-5, we sort of broke it down into either combined type where you have all three, primarily hyperactive impulsive, or primarily inattentive. So you're right, there are the different sort of subtypes. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking just for myself with my son, who's two and a half, and the inattention piece <laughs> I find is, you know, very applicable to my situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has ADHD. Well, as your pediatricians probably already talked to you about, little kids have a variety of things that improve and develop over time. So just the way kids don't learn how to walk until they're sometime around one, attention spans get longer as a child ages. And that's one of the reasons that two and a half year olds don't sit in school for 30 minutes at a time. They don't have long attention spans. So we really don't talk about ADHD until we're talking about school age people. Okay, okay, thank you for clarifying that. So how do these ADHD symptoms truly affect children in a classroom sitting? I know you mentioned about the hyperactivity and not being able to sit still through a class, but how does it truly affect children in the classroom? Well, one of the ways we talk about being affected in the classroom is by having a checkpoint with the teacher. So we're halfway through the first grading period for most schools across the country. Well, by now I've had a bunch of homework assignments that are due quizzes and tests and sometimes even some long-term projects or papers and you can go into school and have a, a checkpoint with your teacher and say how's my daughter doing on homework on quizzes on classroom paying attention and by now the teacher knows everybody and knows your child and can say you know what no worries at all 
100% on all the homeworks. We're getting A's and B's on the test. I have no concerns. And for another child, the teacher might have a very different discussion. I haven't seen any math homework come in at all, and he's goofing off in the back row with his best buddy, and they're throwing a football back and forth to each other, and I don't think he's paying attention at all. For those right. kids, the next step is really then reaching out to your primary care doctor and saying, I'm worried about ADHD. My checkpoint with the teacher, so she's worried as well. Can you assess my child for ADHD? Right. Now, when I think of the impulsivity piece in the classroom, I know that with school-age children, there's some somewhat of an excitement when they're in class and they want to answer that question and, and say to the teacher their answer to the question. How do you differentiate the impulsivity between just regular school-age children and someone who's affected by ADHD symptoms? So when you're, when you're trying to decide whether one presentation in the classroom is just the overall enthusiasm about the topic the teacher's discussing or whether this is a longer standing issue and pattern, the first thing that you do when you're talking with the teacher is ask if she's seen other examples of difficulties and struggles beside that. As a parent, you may know one of the other ADHD symptoms is being forgetful and losing things. So if you've lost three cell phones and two backpacks and a winter jacket, those are symptoms beyond being excited about, you know, medieval battles, which has got your child shouting out the answer before it's time to answer the question. And right. looking to the soccer coach to see if they're not paying attention when the ball's going down the field or they're playing softball and they never catch any of the balls because they're not looking at the batter when he's hitting or she's hitting, and those are other ways to see beyond one symptom in the classroom, do you have other signs and symptoms of ADHD? If you do, one of the things we want to talk about next is treatment. And so in combination with you, the educational system, and your child's physician, we can talk about educational intervention, like smaller classroom and tutors. We can talk about therapy and those include things like family therapy and individual and of course there's also medication and we have a variety of options now we have skin patches we have pills we have long-acting liquid and if you wanted to know more about the long-acting liquid there's actually a website you could go to adhdcheckpoints.com if you wanted to learn more adhdcheckpoints with an s yes ma'am with an s dot com okay so we, you talked about the different checkpoints throughout the school year um, with parents and then with the educators and physicians. What about at home? How do, how do you get that structure and routine at home um, so that it's transferable to the classroom setting? I think that home is such a key point of the life and the daily routine for a kid with ADHD. And that's the beginning of the day and the end of the day. So. Your child with ADHD comes home after school. You take 30 minutes off to decompress, get the energy out, grab a snack. Then it's time to sit down in a quiet area of your home or apartment where they can do their homework without the distractions of TV and internet and really just get the homework done. Once it's done, one of the key things to do is make sure it gets back into the backpack because there's nothing more frustrating for kids and, and parents of kids with ADHD, then knowing the homework was done 
and they get zero credit because it either didn't make it into the backpack to get to school or it was in the backpack and it never made it out of the backpack and onto the teacher's desk. In my practice, right. what I actually do is suggest the use of homework folders so that all the assignments for the next day are in one brightly colored folder that's easy to find in those giant backpacks the kids have for school every day. Okay, those are great tips. So, you know, that's part of the treatment plan, I, I would guess, is that it's not just about potentially the medications and other things. There's the psychosocial aspect. There's the parents at home with those easy tips to help um, their child, you know, have some sort of um, um, uh, responsibility with, with their, their symptoms as well. When you, when you think about the different um, spectrum from someone who, or, or, oh, actually, I should ask that. Are there, is there a spectrum for ADHD? Like, is there a, a numbering system or a point system from 1 to 10 where 1 is, you know, mild and 10 is, you know, ridiculously, uh, you know, all, very symptomatic? There's no one spectrum that we're talking about because there are a variety of, of different ways than you can think about it. And what I tend to do is sort of work clinically with the kid that's in my office. So I may have a child who I've been seeing for a long time with ADHD and, and their symptoms were under good control and we had everything we needed for treatment going through sixth grade. In my school district, middle school is in seventh grade and the amount of organizational skills that you need for seventh grade, step it up a notch because now instead of one main teacher who gives you all your assignments and all your instructions, you now have five or six different teachers, one for English, one for right. social studies, one for math, and learning sort of the rhythm of changing classes and keeping up with a bunch of different assignments takes extra help that first year when you're making that transition. Same thing with the transition to high school, that it's just a different level of complexity and extra support may be needed that first year as you're making that change. Okay. Now, you touched on this earlier a little bit with um, the medication side of things. So how do you decide how to treat ADHD? Obviously, you look at the different types, um, but uh, how do you treat children with ADHD? I think treatment is always an individual decision and it may be what the family's interested in, what they feel comfortable with, and what they want. And it's an ongoing conversation. So what I need to take care of that kid in elementary school may be very different than what I need to take care of the kid who's in high school playing varsity sports with an after school job and driving. And so I think that's sure. always changing. And it looks like we are doing okay I was worried that we were running out of time because I've been giving you long answers I'm sorry about that <laughs> it's, it's all good I, I was just I only have really one more question for you okay um, and that is that is like um, how do I want to put this um, a, a success how do you how do you know to, how do you know when you're successful with treatment when you're successful um, yeah with treatment with a child who has ADHD well, I'll tell you a funny story about a young lady that I took care of who was going into high school, and she'd been going to the same school for many years. And her parents got a call from school partway through her senior year in high school saying, we think your daughter is cheating, and the parents were horrified. And what had happened, actually, is she'd finally gotten a diagnosis of ADHD, 
and then was on appropriate treatment. And instead of being a C student, she became an A student. And I actually had to wow. call the school and say, you know what? She's not cheating. She's actually learning better and doing her work. And that, to me, was a success story. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that, and, and thank you so much for your time today because um, I, I obviously know you're a very busy woman. <laughs> so for those listening, if you would like some more info on Dr. Rob's work, please visit her at childrensnational.org. And always, of course, there will be a corresponding blog post on pegcitylovely.com with the additional resources um, for Dr. Rob's work uh, with ADHD along with the audio, of course, of this interview. So thanks again, Dr. Rob. Really appreciate you taking uh, time today to talk with us about this very important topic. It was wonderful to speak with you, and hopefully we will get to speak again soon one day. And thank you for having me, Natalie.